Hello and welcome back to the N17 podcast. Today I'm joined by Eddie. Hey. Massive welcome back to him, back to the pod. And I wel- and welcome back to Jed. Even Hello. though it was a short break, but uh, I guess you guys will all agree that was a, a needed break. We yeah. needed to clear our heads Definitely. after what we witnessed uh, in that Brighton game. Well, the um, Brighton game and all the games preceding it, <laughs> yeah. basically. Since, everything since February, basically. Yeah, I but, guess so. This year's been... This calendar year in general has been awful for Spurs. Apart from the Champions League final, which of course was was glorious, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I um. Well, the route, the route to it at least. Oh no, no. So what I'm saying is, I don't know how I feel about like the great, my favourite moment of Spurs being the semi final. Was Spursy? Yeah, it's just a bit Spursy. But um, yeah, before we get into that whole uh, post mortem. Obviously, we had the international break. Um, how were you guys feeling like going into it? Like, did you welcome the international break? Were you like, oh, here we go again? Uh, well, usually, I think I speak for nearly all football fans, well, at least Premier League fans. <clears throat> the international break is always such a ball ache because mm. it's just like most of the time as you're getting into the season, especially this international break. Mm. Where it's like mid October. Yeah. Yeah. You've really, already had one that's like come too early and mm. then this comes back to just yeah, exactly. such a bunch of, Yeah, yeah. And it's just like too, it's just like it really breaks up the beginning of the season. You, yeah. you feel like it, we've only played like two or three games, but it's actually been like seven or eight games now. Um and so like I usually hate international breaks, but actually considering the form of Spurs and actually considering like our injuries, um and the situations regarding some of our players' fitnesses, it was probably uh most welcomed international break we've had in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I'll probably agree with that. But I, I feel the same, like, going into an international break, and even to an extent with this one, because, I don't know, I just do find them <clears> so boring. Like, what do you guys normally, like, get up to during the international break? Because... Anything other than watching England, really. Yeah. I mean, I was playing pro clubs last night. I mean, I think I was was at a bar during the England game, just completely didn't even know that England were playing the Czech Republic on the Friday. Yeah, same, actually. I I I got home, I saw the result, I was like, good job, I didn't watch it then. Yeah. Yeah, I felt kind of a sense of satisfaction having not <laughs> had to sit through that having not but, cared but, yeah. but then again after I googled the result and I see Harry Kane looking sullen again as the captain <laughs> I was like it's just never gonna fucking end is it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the L after L he's left uh, Spurs he's joined the England team <laughs> that plays Declan Rice in the middle of their midfield oh, oh. thinking he's gonna catch a break and then <laughs> go to Czech Republic and just go yeah I, mean, I didn't watch it but Oh well, we just weren't good. Mm. Uh, last I checked, um, when I watched the highlights, yeah, we started well, kind of like Spurs sometimes, yeah. where we start well at least against Leicester, mm-hmm. and then they just slowly lose grip of the game, and it's just, oh, it's just depressing. Like we we already hate the international break, but at yeah. least England win the games. Yeah. So when we hate the international break and England also lose the game, it's just mm. like absolute. <laughs> it's just like peak depression. Yeah. Did you see before that? Apparently, it's been like something like ten years yeah. since we last lost a qualifying game. Oh my goodness! Which is Which unbelievable, is given the amount of misery that I normally feel watching. <laughs> it. You would think that they, they lost more, but yeah, it just shows the quality of competition that gets put in our groups. Really, yeah, I mean, it's usually against teams like what, Montenegro. 
Oh, Montenegro, San Marino, yeah, Lithuania, I, or something like that. Do you not think that we end up for some reason? I feel like we play the same teams in every qualifying round. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. We always never always actually have a decent team. We always get Montenegro. I guess it's because we basically stat pad in, yeah. uh, in uh, qualification, and then it just means that we're just doomed to always get. Because <laughs> we're like the only country that gets that. Yeah, because even like Germany draw Italy. Yeah, they've got Netherlands in their group. Germany. Yeah, at least there's something to sort of like look forward to. I think the best we ever get is like Croatia. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember we've that. Them oh, didn't we times. have? Um, actually, no. Yeah, I think Croatia might have been the best team that we've yeah. ever faced in the qualifying they round. To South, did they not? Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Scotty Carson. Oh, man. That was one of the Steve last McLaren. times we lost. That's actually crazy. Steve McLaren. That probably was one of the last time that we lost. Yeah, it was just over 10 years ago, I think. Oh, my 2008 goodness. qualifiers. Oh, my goodness. That's mad. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, going into this international break, like, if I didn't already have plans, I probably would have gone to, like, a non-league game. I don't know yeah. if you guys... That was like, there was a non-league week. It was, like, the non-league weekend, wasn't it? I went to Leighton Orient on, the, on Saturday, which was actually a good game for once. I've been to about five or six games and usually it's just dull as anything but yeah it was a good game man they beat Walsall 3-1 and it was sold out so the atmosphere was decent oh, that's cool man what, what do you think is like the main difference between like watching football at that level compared to like going um, to the lane like just more of like a, a proper like sort of like family feel around the club mm-hmm. like everyone just there just seems like so much more of a togetherness there yeah um, obviously we're at Tottenham now it's just so like I remember going to see um, Eddie, I think you came with me, when we went to see Enfield Town in the FA Cup. Oh yeah, I do remember that. That was a, that was a really good atmosphere. That was an experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to like repeat that again this uh, well, yeah. non-league weekend because um, I remember like we would just stand behind, you would go stand to behind the, the goal. stand behind the goal and go to the shed and just like slap the shed and just <laughs> shout at <"Tell> Towners. <laughs> and and it, like, the, it proper yeah. rang across the like like across like the Queen Elizabeth like whatever I think it's called Stadium. I yeah, think. yeah. And like it's just mad like how how far reaching like football gets from like the grassroots level yeah. to the level that well England were playing at um, yesterday. Yeah. Just like in terms of like you're paying like maybe get sixty seventy thousand people mm. um, against sorry four sixty <clears> seventy thousand people and then like there's the the grassroots level where you're paying to like not even a hundred people yeah but like the joy you get from playing football or watching football is like almost identical yeah yeah no so, so it's, it's so really true. interesting yeah as long as you have a kind of investment in the game I feel like you, you can really enjoy football yeah there's different ways of enjoying football you can enjoy football um, being really tactical getting really into like the tactics and yeah. things like there's some people that will like analyse Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. to death mm-hmm. that's one way of enjoying, enjoying the game yeah. yeah but like the other way it's just I don't know just like picking a side and then just supporting yeah. it as much as possible definitely but um Eddie, you mentioned England yesterday. Um, we should come on to the, the disgusting scenes that was... Uh, yeah. Yeah, because like, I, I try to... I, I do avoid watching England, but this was one of the things you just couldn't avoid. Yeah, I suppose it transcended football. This mm. is just... I think it's, it's... a new story, really. It's yeah. It's a political thing. I think um, and, the uh, problem is, we we're just talking about the game and how the grassroots level, from the grassroots <laughs> level to the to the stadium, you know, like 90,000 stadium level, there's 
similarities in terms of the love of the game. There's also similarities in like the worst parts mm. of the game. Mm. In terms of like at the lower league like we can get abuse thrown at people. And even at amplifi- amplification. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a, it's um it's a problem that you know people already know about. Going into the game, Southgate and Kane um in their press conference before the game were speaking about almost a diplomatic solution to dealing mm. with racism in terms of the the implementation of the new three step um, procedure by UEFA um, yeah. which I think is total bollocks and I agree. Yeah. is an awful way of dealing with a with a black and white issue and it mm. is a black and white issue if you pardon the pun but do you know <laughs> what I mean like it is an issue that has no grey area it's an issue yeah. where one thing is right and the other thing is wrong and the the concept that you can get a chance to almost be like oh sorry we made a mistake the first time it's not like you're in school and you've you've done something wrong in class it's it's racism like you shouldn't have three chances like exactly and at that level you know grown men yeah they know the difference between what's good and bad and it's so evident when you go into a stadium wearing a balaclava hiding your face Mm. that's that is fundamentally to hide your identity from the fact yeah. that you're doing something wrong and you know you're yeah. doing something wrong and the fact that it was planned uh, performed executed with such like vigour and it nastiness was very, very sinister wasn't yeah. it yeah like I didn't get a chance to watch the game but that's what I kind of gathered from most reports it was just a this very weird air to it like it was as you said sort of choreographed <clears throat> which um yeah, it was obviously like disgusting to see, but I think with the the free strike rule is so just not thought out like at all. No. Like these people, as we said before, they've planned on doing it. They are they're they're racists, they've got no sort of ramifications in in Bulgaria or, or, or whatever to like if they are racist they're not gonna get jailed or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, so to say, okay, you can have two goes at a racism, and then the as long as you don't do it a third, that's all right. Like, I feel like psychologically, like that just plays completely into their hands Absolutely. rather than protecting yeah. the players, which is what we should do. And um, I know they're doing it in Italy now, which they've had so many problems with mm. racism. Like, and often the Serie A clubs' response is just. Dreadful. dreadful yeah like they'll give like a fine or something like that there is no like response really no no there's it's, it's ridiculous like absolutely ridiculous the way they've managed this uh, racism over there but they are moving towards um, they're introducing a similar thing to VAR which I can't even it's like dystopian that I even have to say that they've had to introduce some kind of camera to catch people <clears throat> being racist but they have these like things focused on the crowd where they can like lip read, and then uh, I don't know if the teams will get a ban or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's what needs to happen. Yeah, UEFA have the money, FIFA have the money. They need to have this sort of thing, and then they have the evidence, and then they can just kick them out. I I feel like Bulgaria should be kicked out of international football 100%. at least for like two years or something. Fine is a slap on the wrist, man. They need to be banned from any qualification for the Euros any qualification for the next World Cup because that's really going to hit them where it hurts. And I think you were discussing earlier yeah. how 
a fine doesn't affect the Bulgarian people no. or the fans. Not necessarily the Bulgarian people. That's not to suggest <laughs> that the country is fundamentally racist. Yeah, it's just the case of the fans themselves suffer no ramifications because a, yeah, fa- exactly. a fine doesn't affect them. Let alone, do you know what I mean? A seven, th- a seven, um, whatever, seven thousand euros. Mm-hmm. Doesn't what even, even affect, is that? It doesn't even affect Bulgaria as a whole, anyway. You, like, exactly. It's about it's, if if the tickets are seven pounds. Yeah. All you need to do is sell like a thousand tickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Seven. Sorry, it's not even seven pounds. Seven euros. If yeah. they're seven euros, all they need to do is sell out. Yeah. A bit of a stand. Yeah. And their fine is the, the fine is paid for. So. In terms of punishment, retribution, I wouldn't say retribution, but at least punishment in the sense that players are what we're coming to watch. Football is what we're coming to watch. Mm-hmm. And if the players aren't protected, we saw on the on the pitch uh, the amount of uh, people that started for England that were either, you know, had fully um, a black heritage or they had um, they had a mixed heritage whether that's, you know, Barkley from Nigerian descent, whether um, that's, you know, we had Mings who started, yeah. Rashford started, Sterling started. We've got a lot of players that these things affect. Mm. And if we're going to not protect our players in terms of, listen, if as soon as we hear, you know, persistent racism, yeah. even if it's in the first five minutes, if we can't say, listen, we're going to pull our players off, we don't have to play in this hostile environment... And not get punished for that. Yeah. Then this is going to persist as a That's the, as yeah, a yeah. worldwide problem. Yeah. Earlier, like you need to. I think you need to take it to a domestic scale as well and start banning the domestic clubs from European competitions because let's be real, people care more about club than country. Yeah. And if you, I mean, they've got they've got what Ludogorets in Bulgaria who have often got into European competitions. Mm-hmm. You start saying to teams like that, well, you're not going to play in European competitions anymore. Yeah. Then. I mean, I'm not going to say it's going to end everything altogether, but it might be a start. So, yeah, it's a, it's a start of, like, hopefully changing some attitudes yeah. there. Yeah. And at least making these idiots feel like if like they can't do it. Yeah. They just can't do that. Showing them that there are going to be actual ramifications if it, yeah. if it continues. I mean, it's, just sad. it's sad to have to talk about this when England actually won 6-0. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. We, we saw players like... Kane, obviously, yeah. Winks was playing on the, um, and we had a, we had we had a few players in that squad yeah. who played well. Um, Kane getting th- was it three three assists and a goal. Yeah, Barkley um, got two and, goals and an assist, which is yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and Sterling, who's been incredible this yeah. season, but like yeah. when that becomes secondary to the scenes that we saw, a six nil win becomes a six nil win in a qualification game. Yeah. That becomes secondary to the scenes that we saw in terms of yeah. racism, in terms of abuse. Then it is 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 not just uh, a, it's not just scary. Yeah. And it's not just um, infuriating. It's quite heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's sad because it's a game that we love. Mm-hmm. We 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 do this podcast every week not because we hate football. We love football. Yeah, but. You know, as a fan, you you don't love everything about the game, and especially it's things like this that really put uh, a dent or put a blemish on something that actually unites people, mm. regardless of creed or color or background. Yeah, it's something that should transcend the the 
it's something that transcends just the the act of playing football. It unites people, and if if the game itself is actually dividing people, and the people at the the top of the game are allowing it to divide people, then it takes the beauty away from football, and that's not something mm. that we should allow to continue. Yeah, definitely, I agree. definitely. I think yeah. Well said. Well yeah. said. I think that's the perfect way to end it on. And um, I mean, I mean, to be fair, one one of the things that you were saying there was that kind of got me thinking. It's kind of like perspective, because like you know, now talking about Spurs, uh, you know, our performance against Brighton, like it's the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. there are much much worse things <laughs> going on. Yeah, absolutely. But. It's something that we have to talk about. Seeing as it is a Spurs and podcast. Yes, yeah. So, um, so yeah, Brighton, um, 3-0 loss to a team that hadn't won since the opening day um, against Watford. Um, our upcoming opponents. Right. Maybe our also upcoming, yeah, our upcoming relegation rivals, <laughs> depending on how, how you see it. But, um, yeah, I know it was uh, you know a couple of weeks ago now, but um, yeah, how did you boys? How did you boys see it? Absolutely dreadful from beginning to end. Honestly, man, there was not. I think I think they had they had eighteen shots to our five or something like that, yeah. and three of those shots came within like the last ten minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, I know obviously what happened to Larice is unfortunate. I personally think if a ball's coming like that and it's coming low, you either come out and punch it or you tip it over the bar. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be trying to trying to catch it because he knows that that's gonna bring him back onto his line, mm. possibly take him over the line. And then obviously they got the first goal. They see their captain go down with a serious injury. Mm-hmm. And you could see it clearly had an effect on our players. Like we we just looked shell shocked after that. And yeah. we just couldn't really get going after that. What do you think happened to Loris there? Like was it Maybe Did caught in two minds. Malfunction. I like I think it's getting caught in two minds. It's a, it's a, it, I, as a keeper, I know you Jed uh, uh, playing in goal quite a lot. There are there are quite a lot of times where you you're thinking there's there's two two ways that I can deal with this, yeah. and then you kind of just like you don't pick. Mm-hmm. And then so in the last minute, your your brain is still thinking, do I do this or I do I do that? Did, yeah. And yeah. Lloris is didn't pick. Yeah, whether to punch it, whether to tip it over. Ends up putting his hands in a position where, you know, he doesn't really have any control, mm. and yeah. you know, coming down like that, it was, a, it was just horrific to watch. Really, I yeah. S- I stood up and I was literally cringing, and I started to come out in a sweat. I was like, no, that's 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 him done for the season now. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then from there, you know, things went from bad to worse. Like Jed, as he said, it was oh. just like terrible from start to finish, but. I think someone who was sort of emblematic of that was uh, Eric Dyer, uh-huh. who many of the fans were cla- absolutely clambering to come back. Yeah. I mean, probably, to be fair, really. yeah, I think I, I, you know, I got to the point where I thought our sentiments were so bad that I did think Dyer should come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just, he his touch was appalling. His passing range is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. He just did look like a Sunday league player, just being like, yeah, he did picked up and <laughs> just chucked on a the pitch. On. Yeah, it was just he looked strange. he looked so lethargic. He looked yeah. big on the ball as yeah. well. He yeah. looked like he was lumbering mm. uh, across the pitch, and it's the simple things that really cost us that game, um, and it cost 
us in terms of Eric Dyer's performance. Just the simple five-yard passes, but like it's not the five-yard pass that's the problem. It's a five-yard pass across the middle of the pitch, yeah. mm. which you're, you know, you you learn those things when you're at an academy level, mm. when you're, you know, when you're when you're tiny. Yeah, you know, you play it safe. Yeah. Not playing it across the middle of the pitch where it can be inserted by anybody. And it's just things like that at a professional level. You're thinking, you know you shouldn't do that. Mm. Mm. And there were so many times when we lost a ball and there was a three on three. Yeah. Or even a three on two. Mm. So, it's just, I mean, Dyer coming back, probably good uh, in terms of like, we were kind of light in midfield. Yeah. But also, it just shows that Match fitness, match sharpness. Oh yeah, is so important. Yeah, and we had two players in the middle there who aren't fully match fit yet. And Dombele clearly isn't up to speed. He's had a few good games, but he's not quite there yet. And yeah, our, our midfield got overrun. Moy and and was it Gross? I think yeah, Pascal Gross, Gross Moy and they, uh, they Dan Stevens. They overrun, overrun us all game. Yeah, I tweeted during the game that Moy was looking like bloody prime Clarence Sadel. Yeah. Like he was just, <laughs> His boxing really, proceedings. He was just doing whatever he wanted. Yeah, it was just it, it was crazy to see. But um, another bald player, terrifically bald yeah. player. Yeah, going back They're to episode back to, one. Yeah. yeah, coming back to really haunt us now. I think. Yeah, I think we. Uh, I think we did a. We did him. A, we did them a disservice by not mentioning him on the, fu- on the first <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, he had Probably a heard it. Proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely had a point to prove. Um, I mean, what you? What were your thoughts on just the performance of like the whole the whole team? I guess, I don't know, I just think we were just so slow. Like, there was just, like, nothing there. And it was one of them ones where, I don't know, it was kind of like we were, you know that that phrase, the irrepressible force versus the immovable object? We were the immovable object, but, like, we weren't pressing back against, (laughs) uh, well, we did have an irrepressible force against us. (laughs) I don't, where am I going with this? I don't even know. Like, like we, we, were, we, were, we, were the immo- we were the immovable object to ourselves. Yeah, we were. That's perfect. We were the immovable object to ourselves. So we couldn't get and over the fact that we were not playing football, and like we couldn't. You know, even if you go in at half time, was it two 0 at half time? One 0 at half time. Yeah. You go in two 0 at half time. That's still a game that you can rescue yeah. if you have the right mentality. If you go out into the pitch completely forgetting about the first half, playing actual football. And we went out onto the pitch in the second half and we played exactly how we played in the first half. I don't know what was said during half time. Yeah. I don't know whether it's to do with Poch's plan and not wanting to change that. I don't know if it's due to the players just not listening to Poch. We were talking about how Poch, um, especially against Olympiakos, was talking about how the players didn't adhere to the plan. Yeah. We don't know if that's happened again. It seemed that way. It just seems it's like a nothing going on, and it also it seems as though we're playing a, a, a formation that the players have come out and said they don't enjoy <laughs> yeah. playing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So Soko, like the the emblem of the team, coming out against coming out against the four four two diamonds is is obviously mm. yeah. That's that's definitely a concern. I think. I think the only bright spark from the game was Lucas Moura. I mean, yeah. when he come on. That's 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 for me. We had a few more shots on goal. We looked a bit more threatening up top, and I feel like it's time to start putting him back in the team now as well because we're just missing some someone who's direct. 
and wants to make things happen. There's not enough enough happening in the midfield or or the attacking areas. So yeah, he was the only one looking I'm, to make things happen. Yeah, actually, like and like even Paul Son, who's usually like a direct player for us, like he had that that chance where he just like air kicked the ball, yeah. which mm. was just so unusual to see for him. And I don't know. I guess that's just the team that's low on confidence. But Jed, one thing you were saying earlier was that um, Harry Kane, like for England, getting three assists and a goal, yeah. that could be something that maybe we could utilize by putting Lucas and Son. Yeah. Either side of him, quite possibly, and maybe Kane, Kane creating a bit more. I think um, I wouldn't be totally against it. I think, I mean, you see how he plays. He likes to drop deep, spray passes across the pitch, but that is only going to work if then you have runners running in behind him, and more often than not, you see him spray the pass out wide. It goes to a fullback, and there's not really enough options in the middle. Kane's still holding midfield. Line, yeah, it's basically in a holding midfield position, <laughs> and. It's great if he's going to play those passes, but you you really do need the runners in behind him. Otherwise, it's it's just not going to amount to anything. I think it's impo- I think it's an important thing to point out in terms of Lucas and Son being runners because we saw when Kane was injured last season in the Champions League, we were playing uh, Son and Lucas in mm. the two, and it was mm. still a midfield diamond. Yeah, but the the players that were playing in the hole, whether it was Ali or whether it was Ericsson, they had runners. Yeah. yeah. When you're playing dynamism there. Exactly. When you're playing with Kane and Son or Kane and Lucas, Kane is not gonna be your runner. He's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna uh, he's not gonna uh, you know, do you know what I mean? He's not gonna beat many defenders for pure pace. Mm. He's not gonna terrorise defenders by knocking it past them. Yeah. So if if you're not gonna have that and you are gonna play the the two, then it could make sense to to allow Kane to drop a bit deeper, allow mm. kind of what like what Firmino does yeah. for Liverpool. Yeah. I know mm. we, I know we were um, discussing earlier um, that you, we were talking about how we wanted to even consider playing like Liverpool in the sense that Kane playing the false nine, much like Firmino, and we yeah. have um, Lucas and Son playing the roles that Mane and Salah do. So devastatingly for Liverpool week in week out, yeah, and we've got players like Son who are who's equally gifted on both feet, exactly. yeah, and and Lucas who who's actually also equally gifted on both feet, yeah. So th- that's that can give you that extra bit of dynamism or mm. um, c- like threat, and we can still we still have positions in the midfield three yeah. where we can have another creative player. Yeah. yeah, I suppose yeah, logistically that would mean that we would be looking at playing a four three three. What players would you like to see in that in that midfield free trio? I would personally like to see Winks, Ndombele and Lacelso. I mean, I know some people will say that's it's not there's not much cover for the defence there, but mm-hmm. Winks is almost like a shield anyway. Yeah. yeah. If he plays as like a deep line playmaker, he run he runs about, he gets stuck in, he's got a bit of bite to him. Mm-hmm. Same same with Ndombele a bit. He's very mm. powerful on yeah, the ball as well. Exactly. And then even Lo Celso, I think when he was in La Liga last season, he had quite good defensive, defensive yeah. numbers. He made a lot of tackles, actually. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that it's you're necessarily lacking like a dire because mm-hmm. I feel like all three of those do add a bit defensively as well yeah. as a, a bit of creative creativity as well. And I don't yeah. think we have to play that. Do you know I mean that's not the new blueprint for ev- against every team? True, true. And but it's a, it's definitely 
something that you can consider in terms of playing against teams which have a low block. Mm-hmm. Because playing against teams which have, a, which have a low block, you need players to pull people out of positions yep. and have runners in the back. If you don't do that and you just keep the ball like we do, where we knock it across side to side, play it in front of teams for 80 yeah, minutes, not even that. having shots, do you know what I mean? Just playing it in front of teams for 80 minutes and then bringing maybe Lucas on or maybe Son has a shot on like the 73rd minute yeah. work. from like 30 work. yards, 35 yards, Kane having a shot from 35 yards, yeah. getting close but not quite there. It is sort of like we've devolved into not having a game plan. Yeah. And um, I did hear someone say uh, on a, on another podcast that it was like, um, like we play every game like it's the last four minutes against Ajax now, and it's sort of just like completely devoid of a game plan. And like that's that's just what what your words reminded me of when you were saying, um, you know, bringing Lucas on and just hoping for some kind of individual, yeah, yeah, uh, brilliance. That's we're not really playing like a team at the moment, I guess, and. With having those three in midfield, I think what could work nicely and what I hope will happen will be if you can if we can play Sessegnon soon, if he can come in soon, and I want to see Carl Walker-Peters come back in. I don't know whether he will. I think he might be finished under Poch after yeah. seeing the Sissoko uh, right-back situation, but just having two young players on either side who can just... And then it's not even just a midfield three. And then if those guys kind of tuck yeah. inside a bit, then you you kind of have a five yeah. in mm-hmm. midfield. And then I don't know. All of a sudden, we are in a way like the opposite of the team that we were saying earlier yeah. of, of us being turgid, passing it side to side. And then at least you have some unpredictability in there, some pace in there. Um, I think yeah. we're screaming for pacey fullbacks, yeah, like we used to. And we know with at least when Sessegnon was playing at left wing, he has the ability to beat a man over five yeah. yards. Mm. Um, whether he's, do you know what I mean, whether he can do it at the the level um, that Spurs require him to is yeah. another thing. That's um, true. But he's still very young. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that he can build over time, but he needs the game time. Mm-hmm. And... If I'm truly, truly honest, and we're talking about who you want to see in that four-three-three, yeah, against a team like Watford, who have been abysmal from the start of the uh, from the start of the campaign, yeah. getting a draw against Arsenal, being their best result of the of the season so far. I literally forgot that happened. Yeah, <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot about that. That's probably been the best, their best result this season. And then they lost eight 0 to City in the next week. Yeah. It? yeah, 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 and and losing three 0 to uh, did they Brighton? 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, about the same as us then. Yeah, yeah. So that should be a <laughs> interesting match up. But um, against a team like that, who are just all completely all over the place in terms of organization, in terms of confidence. Yeah. Why not? Why not experiment with maybe a three at the back and play Sessegnon at a wing back yeah. or, or a back four and allow Sessegnon to at least push forward. Um, obviously, he has to work on this defensive game if we are going to eventually play him at left back. Mm-hmm. But pulling him for for this game and telling him to um, really give us some width going forward, yeah, and telling Winks to maybe drop back a little bit, cover that position, um, making sure that Jan, if Jan's playing, 
mm-hmm. to um, maybe, do you know what I mean, pull Winks to, into like a back three almost if we have possession yeah. and allow um, Sessignon to move up the pitch. That's something that we have to look at against teams that aren't performing, even yeah. if we aren't. Mm-hmm. It's something that we used to do as well. Like yeah, that, that is what Tottenham used to Where be. Where has it gone? Where? Can we just not have the players for it at the moment? I mean, they're I, pretty much the same players that we did have three years ago. So the, I don't know. the way I see it, I think the the lack of investment in the last one and a half transfer windows or whatever yeah. it was, how, however long we didn't buy a player for, has finally caught up with us. Because I think <clears> the one thing that I would always defend Tottenham against rival fans when they're like oh you're not buying anyone you're not buying anyone so I'd be like nah these players are going to come good they're young they're going to come good and then you know this is the thing with football it's the game literally changes from week to week Mm -hmm. as to like who's a good player especially in the Premier League especially the Premier League yeah players can just fall off like that and like they can go to somewhere like the Serie A which is a good league as well and then they can just have a kind of renaissance but the Premier League is so physical they do fall off really quick and I just feel like we went from having a really young exciting team to a team that kind of looks over the hill Yeah. and I suppose what we're saying with bringing in Sessignon bringing in Lo Celso that's a new sort of like lease of life for us my one concern with it is though after seeing Eric Dyer as someone who didn't really have a free season mm-hmm. hasn't played much football lately so for Sessignon and Lo Celso in there yeah, I mean, if it's going to be anything like Eric Dyer, I don't want to. See, I don't want to see. <laughs> yeah, it. absolutely. But I think uh, uh, the the funny thing is, I was going to say I think against Watford it might be worth the risk. You yeah. probably would have said that uh, against, against Brighton. Brighton at home. Yeah. It's probably worth the risk playing some Eric Dyer who isn't required to um, to do uh, a very complicated role um, in terms of you. You can be good at breaking up play and distributing the ball but it's in in the game relative to some other positions like fullback mm-hmm. or playing in the hole that <clears> is a that is a role that requires uh discipline and or, but but not much dynamism in terms of thought and in terms of technique it's just about being in the right place yeah, yeah. um and timing and doing mm-hmm. the simple things right mm-hmm. and the fact that he wasn't even able to do that a role which he um excelled at um uh, two seasons ago yeah is do you know I mean how do you regress as a footballer it's a mystery to me what's happening mm. to Eric I don't know how someone can regress that much um Poch right well Balagay wrote in Poch's biography which is in the first person so it's always kind of weird I always think like <laughs> Poch wrote it but um he wrote that uh um, Dyer was one of the players that wanted to leave early on in the Poch project and I do feel like since then he hasn't been very good Like um, when he was linked with United yeah he wanted to go to United apparently but one player I think who has been uh, a bright spark over the international break um, apart from Ericsson who somehow always goes back to Denmark and becomes a world class player <laughs> yeah, again drop, drops a 10 out of 10 <laughs> somewhere yeah. where he wants to be and, and then chirps is the press <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying he's looking at villas in Spain and stuff but um, General Ben Davis yeah. oh yeah and he was a nice assist and he was uh, a really nice assist he's, he's really he's really taken up quite a leadership role in the in the Wales side yeah. in terms of quite a lot of players when um, especially you know 
uh, Gareth Bale, God bless his soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about Ben Davis in the in the in the pre pre match conference, talking about how he he's really enjoyed playing uh, having Ben Davis in the side, how consistent Ben Davis mm. has been for Wales. Yeah. Um, and Ben Davis has actually been quite uh, quite dynamic in that Wales um, team. He's played in the back three mm-hmm. as a left side centre back. He's yeah. played as as left back, um, and he did what Jan Vertonghen used to do quite well uh, for the assist, at least, is mm. bringing the ball out of mid uh, defence. Yeah, and and really driving to, like through through like the left. So coming from out to in yeah. on the left hand side, driving into the midfield, and causing problems because midfield, so wingers don't know whether to track him. Mm. Fullbacks don't want to go narrow. So now you're driving out of midfield. You have the winger on the overlap. He didn't even take the overlap. Yeah, Bell was through the middle, and so like Ben Davis, in my opinion, um, is is more is more of an attractive option at left back. For the weekend, if it's not Sessignon, which is looking likely, yeah, um, then Danny Rose, I agree, yeah, who dropped a terrible yeah. performance against the Czech Republic. Yeah, luckily I didn't see it. I saw Roy Keane absolutely crucify yeah. him. Was uh, it that bad? I mean, from what I saw, anyways. Obviously, I, I was like I said, I didn't really watch the game, but when I was looking back at some of the highlights uh, for the game, he just looked completely off the mark in yeah. terms of. His timing, his positioning, decision making, yeah. and we see that sometimes for Spurs in terms of he gets too high up the pitch, doesn't have the puff to get back against Bayern specifically as well. I mean, how many times did they play that ball over the top? Yeah, and they just got in behind him, and he looked like they were going to score every single time. And they did score every single <laughs> yeah, time in the did. second half, at yeah. least. Uh, yeah, and I think what Davis gives us, which is I don't similar to what we were saying about like it becoming a five in midfield if we are to play a three, is that. Yeah, if he is tucking in on that sort of like uh, outside centre mid uh, position when we are in possession, um, this that's another point of attack, and you know that's hopefully something we can we can build on. Um, I, I, the one thing that would concern me about playing that uh, Endombele Winks Lo Celso is, do you think it lacks a bit of a spearhead? I don't know how Lo Celso plays enough. I think he would be but, the spearhead, definitely. I think I honestly do believe he's got he's got the tools to be the spearhead of that, mm. that midfield. I think he's quite. I from what I've seen of uh, Lo Celso, Lo Celso. I don't even know what people call him. Yeah, Celso. I believe. Yeah, yeah, Lo Celso. Um, I what I've seen from him, he, he looks like one of those you know, quite technical player in terms of he's, he's nippy. Yeah, he's, he's the ball's quite close to his feet. Yeah, quite close like to his dribble. body. Yeah, like almost how like Winks plays when he's when he's moving forward with the ball, but with a bit more guile, with um, with a bit more creativity. Yeah, um, yeah. I we you know when Winks brings the the ball forward, it, it's always it's always good to see. But he he gets to the edge of the box and it's just like he's just all right, he drives and he's not going to shoot. Yeah, and he doesn't really have that kind of creativity that you know when Ericsson's on his game. You know he can he can like loft the ball, chip a ball, yeah. Yeah. You know, pay it off the outside of his foot. He doesn't have that. So although he drives, brings us forward, it then goes sideways and then it goes backwards. Yeah. With with Lacelso, I think he has that in him, and then also has the cut and thrust part that I think we've lacked because Ericsson hasn't been on on point in terms of his performances, and Winks doesn't have that in his locker. But I'm not sure whether you know if. Ndombele gets 
match fitness, whether they could they both bring that. Yeah, that would be yeah. an interesting thing to see. I, I mean, almost almost like Wijnaldum, I guess. Like they could be like two like Wijnaldum type yeah. figures. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the conventional ten that we were thinking of, but in, in terms of conventional tens, we have been quite heavily linked with Bruno Fernandez yeah. of late. Who for me, yeah, he's just like a direct Ericsson yeah. replacement. Yeah. How would you guys be happy to see that one? And where do you think he would fit in if we did sign him? I think it's a position. I don't know about what you think, Jed, but I think it's a position where we've actually signed two centimeters in the last mm. in the last transfer window. Whether you know it remains to be seen whether the Lo Celso is um, more of like a centre forward attacking midfielder mm. or a centre midfielder attacking midfielder, in the sense that maybe he likes to drop deep or not. Um, which Ericsson has done quite a lot in the last couple of seasons, yeah. but he he kind of plays in the midfield. Um, we don't know whether he's that kind of uh, player, Lucelso. But in terms of Bruno Fernandez, it means that we're losing. Who we who's he replacing in that midfield? I mean, you said it on the chat earlier. If we get Fernandez, then it's it seems certain that we're going to go. We're going to stick with this with the four four one two one two or whatever it is. Yeah. I and, think um, you would have to, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Unless you're going to go to a four-two-three-one, have narrow what narrow, and just have have the the free buying Kane just sort of interchanging. And just... I mean, that brings back shades of Nasser Chadley, <laughs> Ericsson, yeah. and was it Lamella? It? it was yeah. Lamella. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Very central. <clears throat> three yeah. behind them. Three back. people who never wanted to yeah. go outside the wing, save their life. Yeah. I don't know. You could go Lo Celso and Endombele in in centre mid anchors. And then you could have uh, Fernandez in the centre, Son on the left, and um, I mean, who are we playing in that? I'm in, assuming in that we head. get rid of Ericsson, so I'd go Lucas on the right. Do you not I think, think that sounds quite nice? Uh, well, it it would be, but like I feel like Ndombele, at least when he was at Leon, although he played the like the anchor in that in that role, he was he was it was contingent on the fact that in France they don't press, yeah. and they're doing the Premier League. He had plenty of time on the ball. Yeah. We even saw when he came to when he was playing when he was kind of fit. Like he did get caught on the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. He felt like he had a lot more time than he did. Um, and sometimes the bounce went his way. Sometimes it didn't. And yeah. like we don't have we're in a position now um, where that kind of risk is almost too great for us. Yeah, we can't really afford to put our uh, already shaky defense under. Yeah, more pressure. Yeah, that's a good point. But that's why I feel like the midfield three of Winks, the Celso, and Dombado will be be quite good because all three of them are very press resistant. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, and Dombado has been caught out a bit, but if you see see him in Champions League games, mm-hmm. he just he has a knack of doing that that quick touch or yeah. a little feint and then getting away from a player. Mm-hmm. Sort of similar to Winks, he'll he'll turn, take the ball out, do a driving run. Play out wide and the Celso as well. I mean, we saw it against Arsenal when yeah. he came on for a, for a yeah, he was fifteen fighting. minute cameo, getting press, evading it nicely, and then laying it off to a teammate. So I feel like, in terms of keeping the ball in midfield, it wouldn't be an issue. And defensively, I think it would be sound. I think it remains to be seen. Yeah, I think I think it would be a nice little, nice little project to try. Yeah, as a midfield three. It's a shame because I, I really like Fernandez as a player, but you guys have kind of talked me out of him. No, well, I, I would like to see how Lo Celso is, at least to January. I, I think the problem with the Lo Celso-Fernandez 
debacle over the summer is that we never had enough room for both of them. Yeah. yeah. And if we were going to sign one of them, then, do you know what I mean? I, we, the only way that would have worked is with, if Ericsson left it in that transfer window. Yeah. yeah. We could have maybe signed both mm-hmm. um, because we'd have lost a centre midfielder as well. Yeah. But because Ericsson stayed and we did uh, get La Celso and we're not sure whether Ericsson might even leave in January. Well, I, I say Fernandez. Assuming Ericsson goes, I don't think it's possible that we keep Ericsson and Simon Fernandez. No, no, job, no. That's fair enough. I mean, we would have to see. Like, we're in what mid October now. We've got a, we've got Watford coming up, uh, and we've got a busy, obviously, always a busy Christmas period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it remains to be seen whether we can, you know, stop the rot, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And uh, such and a sorry state of affairs. It, <laughs> it's true, though. It remains to be seen whether the, yeah. the players have it in them to, to like, really take a look at themselves yeah. and be like, we're better as a football club than this. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, and whether they find it within themselves and build some sort of playing style that we haven't yeah. had so far this season, build some sort of maybe the, the sort of playing style that we had in the first twenty thirty minutes against Leicester. Yeah. Where we looked confident on the ball, we looked like we had a game plan. We are, we were dynamic. We also showed, di- um, we also showed that cut and thrust that we've been missed in. Yeah, and Son looked lively. Uh, Kane looked good, and the midfield looked like it could. It was interchangeable, flowing. If we have that, if that's what a good diamonds looks like. Then we have to find that consistently. Yeah. Yeah. If not, then the the experiment, so to speak, or Poch's plan, it has to change. Mm. Talking of the Leicester game, that it does bring me to a thought I was having the other day. What happens if Arie's goal stands against Leicester, and Son is one centimeter onside rather than offside? Where do you think we'd be right now? I, hmm, I still think that would that would have been the only result we picked up, if I'm honest. I think really? I, th- I do think we still would have got, we still would have got beaten by Bayern regardless. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's hard to say, but I don't know, man. I still think with or without that goal, we're we're just still ridiculously shaky. Mm-hmm. At and, the back, it's just yeah, like, yeah. Personally, yeah. I think. If that goal stands, I don't think Poch out would have. Oh yeah, even, no. Poch out would have. It wouldn't thing. have touched even the most Brexiteer of lips. Yeah, like yeah. it would just would not have been a thing. I I don't think we would. We might have done a lot better against Bayern. Even I think maybe the thing the problem with the buying like three one or something like that. I don't know. The problem with the buying game is that for the first. Again, for the first half an hour, we looked like a team that could beat anyone. Yeah. Um, Well, it was like Spurs of Champions League last season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that same Bayern team lost to Hoffenheim on the weekend. Mm. Yeah. So it showed that we had, at least it looked like we had a game plan. Yeah. And as soon as we conceded the goal, as soon as we conceded a goal before half-time... Yeah. We're going into the uh, going to the half two one down, but for me that's a sign of 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 lack of confidence rather than some kind of tactical 
thing that's not there, which I think if REA does score that goal and we beat Leicester, we don't go on this sort of like downward spiral. I think one thing for REA personally, if he scores that against Leicester, that means he's won the game against the previous game against, who was it, Palace? Oh, yeah. well, obviously we won 4 yeah. 0, but he was fundamental yeah. in that. He's won the game against Leicester and he probably, well, I don't know, it's Serge Aria. He probably doesn't get sent off in the next game. Yeah. His Quite Spurs possibly. career is completely different. You've got no Sissoko playing right back against Brighton and and um, uh, and a confident Spurs team. I just feel like it... Quite possibly, yeah. It could be something so different. But, you, but. You, I mean, you're talking football. We're talking about a game yeah. that um, consistently is... A flip of the coin. <coughs> Every part of the game is a flip of the coin. Yeah. It hits the post, it goes out, it hits the post, it goes in. Yeah. A player doesn't get a yellow card. Aurier doesn't get sent off because the second yellow card was almost inexplicable from his point, um, making that decision, but also from the referee sending him off. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Every part of the game that, that Spurs are playing right now. Uh, is a flip of the coin across the pitch and it seems to always be going against us at the yeah. moment yeah, yeah. and it, it will feel like that unless um, and I think it's a mentality thing I think it's a confidence thing um, and Poch needs to remain confident in his players because yeah. like play, players will feed off that yeah. um, and I also think you know we're talking about um, as fans we're talking about how Tottenham have been awful and stuff but as as a club, we still need to support the players on the pitch. I agree, and I think players like Lamella, who've who has been you know far from the favourite for a lot of fans, has um, funnily enough been one of the players that seem to have not suffered too much from the the way that we've played in terms yeah. of he's he's played the way Eric Lamella's always played. Mm. Uh, in terms of he's been tenacious yeah, yeah um, exactly. he he loses the ball sometimes but in terms of bringing the ball forward in terms of um the way he plays he hasn't suffered that much i think the reason why poch keeps picking him is because he actually i think eric Lamella plays the role that poch gives to him yeah in, yeah. in the spurs you, side you know what yeah. you get exactly. you know what you get from him and and he's he's at least committed to the cause in a way that Ericsson hasn't been in a way that Ali's he's looked a bit distracted. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, um, like in terms of Spurs fans, we probably we need to support the team now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And Poch as well, because I think he's done so much for us as a club. Um, yeah, we really we really owe it to him. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, enough of the hashtag Poch out stuff on on Twitter. Yeah, I think we do we do need to get back uh, get behind them. But um, yeah, talking of Ali, like that that was something that you wanted to bring up, Eddie. Yeah, uh, the Delhi Ali sort of conundrum, I guess we can call it, because you know he's such a quality player. When he first came in, he was he was kind of like finding another Harry Kane. Yeah. Harry Kane came from nowhere and then it was as if Spurs just kept unearthing these gems. Yeah. And he was that good. Those first two seasons, he was just incredible. We're yeah. talking about over the three seasons or even two and a half seasons, he scored 50 goals. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Coming incredible. From How old was he? Like 
1920. Yeah, that's crazy. This is crazy. And that's just, do you know what I mean? 50 goals in the Premier in yeah. at, at that level. Scoring against Real Madrid at Wembley. Yeah. Like, yeah. Scoring Chelsea, against top. Tearing Arsenal che- apart. Yeah. Chelsea right. were, were terrified of him. Yeah. yeah. Scoring braces against top teams. Um, but what we're talking about is a Deli Alley that was playing behind Harry okay. Kane. Yeah. yeah. And not just playing behind Harry Kane, almost as a centre forward, as a second striker. Mm. Something that we have not gone back to since we've needed him to fill in at centre mid a season ago. Yeah. And where we that were very was light. completely out of necessity. Yeah. That, I, I suppose that's the bizarre thing about him. About it, sorry, not about him. You can't blame Pochettino for being like, oh, why are you playing him centre mid? We had no, we had no choice. Option. Yeah, we had no options. We, we had we're playing play skip at the time. Exactly. Yeah, it was skip or you know, we had a Sissoko with one hamstring. Yeah, with yeah. Ericsson and Deli Ali either side of him in like a four-three-three. I think that was against City. Yeah, we bloody won that game. Yeah. That is just crazy yeah. to to think about. But you you can't really blame him. He's done almost two seasons out of position now mm-hmm. and you think of even like playing football at our level you don't play in a position for a while and you kind of forget the intricacies of it yeah. quite yeah. quite yeah. easily imagine that at the most elite the level, level of football yeah. um, how do you think we can get him back to, to where he used to be can we get him back to that position even I, or is he retrained as some kind of Average centre centimetre. Yeah. Not because, as you say, when he's playing behind Kane, that is when he's at his best, and that's when he's the most effective. And it just gives you another element in attack if you've got someone running in behind the striker. It sh- it just gives you so much more to to play with. And, and I think it confuses um, fullback. What what he did so brilliantly in the first season, season and a half. Mm. Uh, let's say the first two seasons, was that the the spaces between the full-back and in most of the cases it was the right-back and the right-centre-back, that gap Ali was finding consistently mm-hmm. and our centre-backs, whether it was, in fact, Eric Dyer playing in a three, mm-hmm. whether it was Alderweireld or whether even if it was one of our full-backs, mm-hmm. one of our centre-midfielders, were consistently finding Ali in that pocket yeah. because he was consistently making that run. Sometimes the ball didn't get to him, but he still made the run. Yeah. He never didn't make the run. And because he's playing in a much deeper role now, there's no way he's getting up to uh, making that run because it means that we're a man light in the midfield. Yeah. So, And the problem now is that we've signed two centre midfielders. Mm-hmm. So either... Either now by by buying those midfielders, we allow Ali to push forward. But yeah, I feel like he's doing the right things now. Um, the the news coming out is that he's like cancelled a lot of social engagements mm-hmm. and that he's hired his own personal trainer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, even if it's just like a fitness thing, then he can. Uh, yeah. Come back. A yeah. Bit, a bit stronger. I think um, we you know, we miss goals from midfield. Yeah. Mm. Badly. If we if we look at um, the goal tallies from midfield in this season, I think Ndombele's got two, two, and I think that's it. And I think that's Ericsson, it. I don't think Ericsson, I don't think Lamella. Wings hasn't scored. Lamella's I, got one or two. I think Lamella's got one or two, but it's, Ericsson's got one. It's come from Kane 
um, who actually over the last couple of years has scored thirty five percent of our goals. Yeah. Jesus. And wow. and Son. Yeah. So we're looking at we're looking at um, an area which we badly badly need yeah. goals from midfield, and Ali was the perfect hybrid of a mid a player who has the guile of a midfielder who has the grit of a midfielder, not afraid to get stuck in, not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Um, we've missed that side of Ali as well. That's um, true. Mm-hmm. Um, we've missed that from the whole Spurs side. Yeah, I feel. That kind of grit, that kind of um, kind of rolling up your sleeves, it's, it's cliche, but it's definitely something that we've missed. Yeah, and we talk about and joke about how you know the Battle of the Bridge was something that we you know we love and stuff, but like that has completely left the game. Yeah, and that's something Poch didn't mind. Mm-hmm. Poch liked a bit of aggression in, in yeah. our play, but it seems like our players are, are don't want to do that anymore. So if if that's not the the way we're going to play, if we're not if we don't want to play ugly, and that's fine. We look at teams like City; they don't play ugly in terms of you know uh, in terms of that kind of aggression. It's mm. fouls here and here, really, tactical really, fouls, really, yeah. really good tactical fouling with the likes of like Rodri, Rodri. P- incredible at, at tactically fouling Fernandinho. Yeah. Even players like Silva and De Bruyne, yeah. really, really yeah, good at Silver, just breaking up the you, play. When you watch City, like you're like, oh my god, Silva's actually really dirty. Yeah, you don't really suspect <laughs> yeah. it from them, but like he is like a you know. yeah tactical fouling because they're not gonna they're not gonna get dragged into a dirty game. Yeah. So if if that's how we want to play, if we want to play without getting dragged into a bit of a gritty game, a bit of a dirty game, then we have to have that kind of that sharpness, that creativity. Yeah. So Watford, what are we thinking? Team lineup and do you think we'll win? Do you think we'll draw? So what's a realistic do you, do you do you a realistic lineup or a lineup that we want to do see? Do both. Do both. Um, so Joe, who wants to go first? Go on, you can you can go. You can go uh, first. Well, I I'd still want to see Gazaniga start. Yeah. Um, I think. Although Vorm is back at the although Vorm is back at the club to save the club. Um, I think that Gazaniga deserves much like Adrian when um, when Allison got injured. I think Gazaniga needs to get backed by the team. Yeah. Yeah. And and we saw that when Larice was out and before that Gazaniga can pull off uh, uh, good performances, and he's a he's he's a decent shot stopper. So I think we we have to put um, confidence in Gazaniga. So I'd say Gazaniga. Um, the problem I have now is if we're going right to left, <laughs> is who do I put a right back? Just just leave it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just don't play a right have, back. Just have two centre backs and a left. Back I I think um, <laughs> if Aurier's fit, he'll probably start. Or is he suspended? No, it's no, one exactly. game. It was so two yellows, yeah. So I think Aurier will probably start a right yeah. back, and I think I don't. I think he should start a right back. Yeah. Um, so I think we play. We do play Alderweireld and Vertonghen at centre back. I think it. Will, I think it might be Foyth, or maybe I think Foyth will go right back. Oh, yeah, now he's back. I think, I think it will be Foyth. Well, I think God. maybe Foyth might be right, but but let's say I, I'm going to go with uh, Aurier, Vertonghen, um, yeah. Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Davies. Yeah, as our back four. Okay, um, which doesn't scream confidence to me, <laughs> but. Um, that's the that's probably where we're going to go in terms of that. Uh, I also think we're going to stick with the midfield three of um, Ndombele, Winks, and Sissoko. Yeah. Simply because 
I think as much as we want creativity in the side, we also we actually need a good defensive performance. Yeah. We need to get a clean sheet mm-hmm. in one of these games. And it's not going to be against Liverpool. No, it needs to be against <laughs> So it needs to be against it Watford. It needs to be against Watford. So I think he will go with that midfield three. And I think we're going to have to go with Son and Lamella behind Kane. Okay. That's not what I want to see. Um, what I would actually like to see is I'd like to see Lucas and uh, Son play mm-hmm. either side of Kane. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see... I would keep the midfield. Um, and in terms of a back forward, I'd actually prefer to see Foyt at right back than Aurier. Um, yeah. uh, but that's probably the side that I'm going to go with. Oh, Fair enough. I would not want to see Foyth. <laughs> uh, right, but <laughs> at all. At oh. all. Um, I just, I, I really hate the thought of him playing a right back. I just feel like it's, it's like playing someone like um, Matthew Loughton. But like <laughs> even worse, Tarkovsky at right back. Yeah, it's just like a no, flat yeah, back four. He's not going to get forward. And Foyth is not a bad player. He's very good on the ball. Yeah. Um, but I think that he just needs to be nurtured as a as a centre back rather than a right back. I, I like. I literally hate the idea of him playing there. Um, for, from a Spurs perspective, but I think unfortunately, I think Pochettino is like he's drawn to it like. Um, like Gollum with the <laughs> ring, he just wants to see Foyfa right back. But um, yeah, what I think Poch will go with, I think Gazaniga, um, I think Sissoko right back. Personally, um, I think he'll 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 go with that after his comments. Um, I think we'll see Alderweireld, and I think Sanchez will return. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that happening. I do think Davis will play. After having a good uh, few games for Wales, and I think Danny Rose, it's very hard for Pochettino to find an excuse to keep him in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so I think we will go with a diamond, <laughs> Winks, Endombele, uh, Lamella, Ericsson, and I believe we'll see Son and Kane up front. Um, I think that team's terrible. <laughs> um, and it will literally fill me with with dread. <laughs> well, once that once that lineup comes up a, an hour before kickoff, I don't know if we're playing on Saturday or the Sunday. Yeah, I think it's a Saturday three. O'clock. Saturday three o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So that, two, that two o'clock uh, uh, that two o'clock announcement when we see yeah, I'm going the midfield up, diamonds. I'm going up the skywalk in front. So <laughs> <laughs> then they can just close the stadium forever. Well, at least uh, maybe we'd forfeit the game then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would be a, a, a like a I don't know nice thing for us to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, what I would go with, I go very quickly. I go with uh, Gazaniga and goal. Walker Peters, I would go probably Alderweireld and Foyth, because I would like to see him get trained up as a centre-back. Um, I probably would go Davis, because I think it is going to be too early to see Sassanon. Um Winks, Endon uh, Bele, and I think it's going to be too early for Locelle, so I would like to see him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be too early, so I think probably... Ericsson, because I still have a soft spot for him, really. <laughs> um, then Lucas, Son, and Kane. Uh, that would be my team. Uh, right. Jed, what about you? So I think Poch will go with Gaza, Foyth, Adwell, Vertonghen, Davis, uh, Winks, 
Ndombele, Sissoko, Eriksen, Kane, Son. I think it's is that the same as you said? I think that's the same. It's almost it's quite similar to yeah. to Cosmos. And it's like a hybrid. Yeah. yeah. What I'd like to see is Oh, Gaza. It's not fun picking Spurs. That's Spurs what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah like moment, like we, uh, we I think we've got so many people uh, criticizing Poch, but it's, 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 it's not right. easy. Is... I I also think that um, if if we are talking about like the midfield diamonds, the team that you just stated, it does leave us with a bench of Cessignon, um, Lo Celso, Lucas, um, Dyer, uh, if if, if yeah, Ali. And nice, yeah. and Lucas, Rose Lucas. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. If he, if he did. So it, we do have options off the bench, which is something we've just so so badly yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so funny seeing the players on the bench yeah. and seeing the players on the pitch and thinking, hold on a minute. Yeah. This isn't the way we expected it to be. We yeah. didn't expect to see Ali on the bench. Yeah. We didn't expect to see Lucas on the bench given his performance last mm-hmm. season. So you know, I'm not not entirely sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, if it's any fun actually being in Pochettino's <laughs> position at this point. Jed, very very quickly, what was your? Uh, did you get to do the the your one? So Gaza, Aurier, Foyth, Alderweireld, Davis, um, Winks, and Dombele, Lamella on the right, Son on the left, Ali just by and Kane. Oh, all right. That's the kind of lineup that you'd would love get to me see. a bit excited. Actually, yeah, yeah, I would like to see that. And but you've still got Ericsson and Lucas coming off the bench, and Sissoko if you need a bit more steel in the midfield. Yeah. The only thing is with those kind of lineups, like down the down the years when Spurs have been doing like a bit bad, and then like I'll be like, oh yeah, actually that's a really spicy little team. Yeah. Those are always the ones that go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> in my experience, like I don't know why it is. Like, it does sound really good on paper, but um, I think it's just that we're coming against this Watford side. Yeah. It is a team where like we should be able to um, sacrifice in terms of uh, maybe some steel in the midfield in in and instead having a bit more yeah. creativity, a bit more freedom. Let's hope so, but I mean. It's also, in a way, they are a bit of a nightmare side. <laughs> yeah. If Dini yeah. is back fit, um, Andre Gray and Dini oh, up we, front. We, we hate, we hate Pace. Delafay. Yeah. Look what Connolly did to... <laughs> poor, 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 poor Yeah, historically, watch teams, do. we hate Pace and we hate big players. Yeah. I still get nightmares about Stefano Okaka. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who was it for? Fiorentina? Because he ended yeah. up at Watford because yeah. they were yeah. just building a fat 11. Like, <laughs> literally, their Prodal. Sebastian Prodal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was like FBL legend <laughs> that season. Sebastian Prodal. What a uh, big boy. They had Prodal, they had Dini, they had Okaka. Oh my um, goodness! They, they even had like big Kapu. fullbacks like Daryl Yanmat. Yeah, he, he was a bit and piggy. Yeah, they just had a chunky, chunky it's eleven. Big, big side. Yeah, we've gone from Liverpool's ugly eleven to, to what, the what, chunky, 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 chunky eleven. I, that team had a place in my heart. But I, I used to love being them on FIFA. Like I would just try and turn every game into a bloodbath. <laughs> and, like I just viewed Dini as like this Sunday the league number nine. I just loved doing an L one triangle over to him and just be like, "Yeah, go on, Dean, have it, have it. Who wants it? They don't want it. Who wants it? But it remains to be seen how how we perform." 
this is um this is exactly probably the type of game that we'd want. Also, exactly the type of game that you'd probably hate. Yeah, yeah. A, a game where we, we we should we should we're expected to perform. Yeah, and sadly, I think there is a fixture turn on the horizon coming yeah. up. I've, obviously, we've got Liverpool coming up, but then I I haven't sure checked the fixtures for United a while. United and Chelsea are not far away. But I think away. they really turn and get ugly. Yeah, I think. Right now, United's an ideal fixture. To be honest, I would. Yeah, but I, it's a very high risk. It is a Who, high risk. Whoever but loses that, I is, just feel is like they're ridiculously bad at the moment, man. I, I mean, feel like we've got a better I, chance of beating United than Watford. If I'm honest, really? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's too much of a lose lose. I I just think in that sense, yeah, it's gonna be a draw. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna be a draw. I can just. I don't know. I don't know. I can taste the one-one. I, I can't really put anything between Spurs and, and United right now. I don't think we're, we're that much better. I don't think we're better. But I don't think we're better than anyone right now. <laughs> I really don't. Well, Brian just kicked us in the teeth. So yeah. So prediction then. Two 0 Watford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Wait, really? Oh yeah. I don't want to bet against my own team, but. It seems as if we've got it now. Every every podcast has been going prediction. Yeah, you know what we're gonna we're gonna win this. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll stick by it. Uh, I'm gonna go T one Spurs. I'm gonna go three two Spurs. Oh yeah, I don't see us keeping a clean sheet. None of us do. No. So yeah, I don't know when our next clean sheet's gonna come. <laughs> honestly, we might not Liverpool. be able to get one. Liverpool. Do you know what it is? It's going to be one of those. Have a wonder performance. Going to be one of those where we keep a clean sheet against like a Chelsea <laughs> yeah. or a Liverpool. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Or we could just try. We could just try and set this new record like we did last year of not drawing a game. We could just try <laughs> and not keep a clean sheet for the whole season. We're trying to set the record for longest of our away win. Yeah. So. Well, we got to get a trophy somehow. Aren't we boys? <laughs> <laughs> might, as well, might as well get a record. Add that to the trophy cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, I believe that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, thank you for listening. We've been the N Seventeen podcast. Um, thank you for joining me, Eddie. Cheers. And thank you for joining me, Jed. Thank you again. Thank you for listening and goodbye.